First Peter chapter two, we're gonna be in verse nine. Uh, are you guys doing well this morning? Everybody, everybody doing good? Great to, great to see you. First uh, Peter chapter two, verse nine. I wanna just quote this over us as we jump in this morning. This is the word of God. He says, but as for you, you know, Peter's talking to this church about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. Peter's talking to this group of people that he loves are in the middle of hardship. He says, but as for you, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession so that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's the word of God. He says, he says but you, but as for you, it's his identity statement here. He says, as for you, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are God's special possession so that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness. This is the word of God. We're gonna to try to unpack that this morning as we think about what it means for us to be spiritual first responders together as a family. So uh, this summer, my, my friend DJ, who's been one of my uh, longest friends, we've been friends since my freshman year in high school. He got married, we were so pumped that he's getting married. He invited me to come perform his wedding uh, ceremony for him. And uh, so I'm there, we're just all so pumped. And the night before his wedding, we're sitting there uh, just kind of having this conversation about life and just kind of kicking it, you know. And, and he's telling us about what he's been doing. So he, by trade, by vocation, is an EMT. He's a first responder. And so his job is to show up on the scene of the accident or on the scene of the crime when nobody else wants to be there and to really do some amazing and unthinkable things. Now, for those of us that have known DJ for a long time, this is scary to think about, man, he's the first guy, like he's the one they send, you know, because we knew what he's like in high school, but luckily he's matured and all that good stuff, you know, but he's telling us these stories about what it's like to, to, to show up and kind of in the midst of this conversation, I just kind of make this statement. I said, man, I could never do what you do. Like, I was just so grateful for guys like him and, and, and girls like that that do kind of that EMT work. I said, I could never do what you do. And my buddy, DJ, who is not known for making very many profound statements, I would say that if he was here, he's a podcaster, love you, buddy. Um, he made this profound statement and it about shocked us all. You know, he said, Dave, in the right situation, everyone becomes a first responder. He said, under the right circumstances, everyone becomes a first responder, when they recognize what it is that they're up against, when they, when they see the, the totality of what it is that they're facing, when they, they realize that even if they wanted better, even if they wanted more qualified, even if they wanted more experience, that more qualified and more experience doesn't have time to show up. He said there are moments when we are reminded by the size of what it is that we're facing that every one of us have something internally that can lead us to be a first responder. And I was thinking about that all week. You know, we saw that right in Houston last week with Harvey. Most of us may not even remember that because of what's going on today. It's just one thing after another. But one of the things that's made Harvey so beautiful is in the midst of all of the chaos, watching the way that so many people have responded, right? Just these ordinary people that go, man, I, I wish someone more qualified. I wish someone more trained would show up, but I'm the only one here. And if I don't go get my neighbor out of their flooded house, no one's gonna get them out. Hey, I wish somebody with more expertise was here, but if I don't help this family or help this kid or do this thing, nobody else is coming. And what we've kind of celebrated all week long has been watching what happens when ordinary people come face to face with the extraordinary potential that lies dormant in so many of us until we come face to face with impossible odds. And there's this moment 
There's this moment where I'm sitting there with my friend and he says, man, all of us can become first responders whenever we find ourselves in the right circumstances. And I think that's such a, a powerful world, word, just kind of thinking about where we are as a world right now. Like, I, I don't wanna be a Debbie Downer, you know, but if, if you've ever, like, wanted to struggle with depression and you've never struggled with depression, just read the news every day, you know, and it will put you in a mild form of depression, right? Because you read what's going on around the world and it, doesn't it feel like the water level's rising? Like, just kind of that metaphorical water level. I mean, there's, there's natural disaster, there's political disaster, there's spiritual disaster, there's racial disaster, there's all of these tensions, these things that are happening between countries, between neighbors, between people, and there's just this sense in so many of us that something has changed and we don't exactly know what to do about it. Have you ever been there? And I just hear that conversation over and over and over, like Christians saying, hey, what are we gonna do about this? Hey, what's our response to this? Hey, how are we gonna follow up to this? And I love it because there's this moment in 1 Peter chapter two where Peter is writing to this church that is in this moment of cultural chaos and he speaks to them with such clarity and authority. He says, hey, in seasons like this, you, the church, you are the first responders. Like in moments like this, he says, we're not waiting around on anybody else. He says, this is who we are and this is what God has called us to be about. And this morning, I just want us to kind of imagine together what would happen if we began to see ourselves the way that Jesus sees you, the way that Jesus sees us, and if we began to understand that our place in the world and our place in this congregation is not here as a, a group of people gathered around a few, but we are here as men and women that have been commissioned by God Almighty to be the first responders in the midst of a world that is in desperate need of the grace of God. I love this, this is what Peter says, verse nine. Look back at verse nine, he says, but as for you, he says, you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, a special possession of God so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I love this moment. Peter starts by just reminding us of who we are because he knows if our feet are not firmly planted in our identity, we will be tempted to strive and to work and try to earn that which God has already freely given us. I, I, I love this because Peter, he looks at the church and he says, hey, it is for such a time as this that God has put you on planet earth. Like, I don't know if you've ever thought that. You look at the cultural chaos all around us and God's not sitting up in the heavenlies going, man, I really wish we would have saved Moses for now. Like, why did we waste Moses thousands of years ago? We should have just put him now. We need a leader like that. Or we need a, a leader like Abraham. Or we need a leader like Isaiah or Esther or Mary. No, Acts 17 verse 26 is true. That God knew when you would be born. He knew where you would live so that those around you might reach out and discover that God was never far from them. That it's not an accident God's not looking down at us going, oh man, I've got the JV squad on the field right now. <laughs> I wish we had some of the heavy hitters. He says, no, you've been created by me to think the hands of God not only formed you, but have been placed on you for such a time as this. Wow. And Peter knows we don't believe it, and he knew his church didn't believe it. Maybe we believe it for somebody else but it's tough to believe it for us. And he says, but no, this is who you are. You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. You are special. And this is why you exist. This is why you woke up this morning. No matter what you do for a job, 
No matter, it is how much money you have in the bank account. The reason you have air in your lungs is to find your life swept up into the grand trajectory of what God is unfolding in the human story and that you get to be a part of that. Wow, how amazing. He begins speaking this over us. He says, this is who you are. He says, you are a chosen people. Do you remember being in elementary school and it'd be that moment for kickball? And those of you that were great athletes, you love this because you know the, the teacher would, the gym teacher would choose two captains and then you'd pick sides. And those of you that were like great athletes, you loved it because you knew you were gonna get selected first. The rest of us, we hated it. It's like, why don't you just number us off? Like, you know, why don't you be, you know, a a, a little more equitable about this? Because we know like deep in our human spirit how good it feels to be chosen and how terrible it feels to not be chosen, right? And I want you to just sit under the weight of this declaration. He says, you people of God, you church, you body of Christ, because of the grace of God, you are a chosen people, a hand-selected people. Now, I want you to hear this, because sometimes in our culture, we hear that word and we go, wait, does that mean we're chosen and everybody else is not chosen? That's not at all what he's saying. It's not at all what he's saying. In fact, in the scripture, so often God would choose a person and use them to reach everybody else. Hey, Abraham, I'm gonna bless you, not just for your family, but for who? All the families of the earth. Hey, I'm gonna choose you, Israel, not just for your sake, but for the sake of all the nations of the earth that God has his way of of choosing. It's It's his tool in his hands. And this is what Peter's trying to say. Peter's saying, hey, listen to this. Church, do you realize that in Nashville, Tennessee, the body of Christ is God's plan A for showing the city of Nashville how amazing God is? That you are his plan A for showing your workspace, for showing the friends in your dorm, for showing the people in your apartment complex, in your neighborhood, in your school, wherever it is that you work, whatever it is that you do, that you are a part of God's plan A. He says, this is who we are. We are a a chosen people, selected by God for this glorious purpose. That's who you are. You're a, a chosen people, but he keeps going with this other identity statement. He says, and you are a royal priesthood. You're a chosen people, but you're not just a, a group of people. He says, you're this royal priesthood. You know, I, I love this word royalty. How many of you woke up this morning thinking, I'm royalty? <laughs> if you woke up feeling that way, we probably won't be very good friends. You know, like I, I, woke, I woke up thinking, how are we going to pay the bills this month? You know, like he says, no, no, in the kingdom of God. He says, you realize who you are. It's not just that you've been taken out of the spiritual orphanage and put in a family. You've been taken out of the spiritual orphanage and you've been put in the royal family. That God your Father is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is above all things. Everything is His. So it means that as His child, you and I don't operate with a scarcity mentality, but with an abundant mentality because we understand that all the resources of heaven are in our Father's hands. And Jesus says, you just ask for the sake of my name. It's royal. You know, I think about this with Prince William and Kate Middleton and their kids, every time I see them in the news, I'm like, those kids have no idea how powerful they are. They don't have any idea, like the family that they're born into. And I I feel the same thing every time I'm in a church. I'm like, man, we have no idea who we are. You have no idea who you are. He says, you're a chosen people. He says, you are royal, but you're not just royalty. He says, you are a royal, what's the word? Priesthood. He says, "You're, you're a priest. That maybe you didn't go to seminary, but you've been ordained by God. How cool is that? You know, in the Old Testament, you remember where the priest came from? The priest, in order to be a priest. 
You had to be born into the family line of Aaron. You could only be born into it. And then if you're born into the priestly line, you had special access to God. You go into the most intimate spaces with God, the Holy of Holies. You could serve the people. A priest was someone that would stand with God for the sake of the people. A priest was a representative. And Peter says, you realize what's happened here? He says, the grace of God's been poured out on your life. You've been saved from darkness into light. And all of a sudden, it's not just that you're a chosen people. You're a family of royalty who serve as priests, as representatives, as mediators, as encouragers, as blessers, as representatives of God Most High. That's who you are. And no matter what it is that you do for a vocation, your job, because you've been born again by the, by the grace of Jesus, is to serve and to mediate the blessings of God to the culture around you. Wow, that's, that's who you are. It says you're a chosen people. It says you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. Do you know what the word holy means? It literally means to be set apart to be different than the people and the things around you. You know, I think in this last season, in the last decade or so, the church in America, we've lost our hunger for holiness. In an effort to be relevant, we've traded in holiness, and as we've traded in holiness, we've lost our potency. And we've become so much like the culture, it's hard for us to be a voice to the culture. And Jesus says, here's the deal. He says, I don't need you to be relevant, I need you to be holy. And when you're different than, you're a blessing too. He says, it's not just that you're a people. It's not just that you're a priesthood. He says, it's that you are a holy. You're a distinct. You're a different group of people. The way you use your language, the way you steward your sexuality, the way you use your resources, the ways you use your time and your energy and your relationships. He says, all of those things about you are different as we serve as a family of priests, as this group of first responders to the world around us. He says, we're holy. We're different, but not just different for the sake of being different. We're different than the culture for the sake of the culture. He says, you're a holy nation. I love this, Peter, in the original language, he's given us this beautiful picture here. He says, in other words, the church is not supposed to be a subculture. The church is supposed to be an alternative culture. And I want you to think about the difference between a subculture and a counterculture, a subculture and an alternative culture. A subculture is what happens when a minority group of people huddle together and they put their arms around each other and they say, hey, we've got to protect who we are so the culture around us doesn't take our identity away from us. If you've ever been to a big city and you've ever gone into some of the parts of the city where certain ethnic groups from different countries have moved in and they've all moved in on the same street and they've kind of created their own restaurants and their own places. We have that here in Nashville as well. That's a picture of a subculture. It's a culture within a culture. But the Bible never calls the church to be a subculture. It calls us to be a counterculture or an alternative culture. And the difference between a subculture and an alternative culture is they're both minority groups, but one seeks to protect so they don't lose. The other seeks to infiltrate so they can change. An alternative culture is, is saying, hey, God has done something in us and it's not just for us. And we're not just gonna huddle together on a Sunday morning and try to protect it and make sure the world doesn't ruin our kids. No, we're gonna send our families, we're gonna send our lives out there in hopes that we can turn this planet upside down for the glory of God and the good of the world. He says, you are a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood. 
You're a holy nation. You're this holy counterculture. And you are God's special possession. Now, I know that's not like very fun. We don't love thinking about that. It feels exclusive. It, it, it feels dogmatic. But I want you to hear what they're saying in the scriptures here. The Bible is so clear that God loves everybody. And that God is at work in all things. But that God does indeed have a special relationship with those who choose to surrender their lives in obedience to son Jesus. This family is open to anyone who wants to follow Jesus as Lord. But God is not scared to say that he chooses to dwell and to serve and to speak and to walk uniquely with those that bend their knee to Jesus. So this is his special possession. What, a, what an amazing statement that is. You know, my son Judah, he has a bunch of toys, but his, his most special possession is this stuffed animal he has called Fox. And I bet you, you can guess why we named him Fox, because he is a... Fox, and yeah, and Judah wasn't very, um, he wasn't very mature when we asked him what he wanted to name Fox, and so he looked at him, and we said, well, hey, what do you want to name him? He said, Fox, and we thought, oh, okay, we're not going to have any scholarships here, you know, um, <laughs> and, uh, he's not going to be in art school, not creative, you know, just, and uh, we'll call him Fox, and it's his, it's his most special possession, and he loves all the stuff that he has, but man, if he leaves Fox behind, oh my goodness, he leaves Fox behind. We gotta go back and get Fox. Because it's the thing, I mean, do you realize, like, like when God looks down on what's happening this morning, that God says, I love what's going on. I love what's happening in the earth, but my most special thing is when my people gather under the name of my son Jesus. That God delights in being among us this way. What a, what a gift that is. And Peter says, this is who you are. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a God's special possession. That's your identity. That's why you've been created. But he keeps going in verse nine. He says, so that, this is what you should do. So that you may declare the praises of the one that called you out of darkness into his glorious light. Like this is the reason you woke up this morning. Whether you knew it or not, this is the reason there is breath in your lungs. You have this very short little life and I don't know if you've thought about how short your life is. I don't, I don't mean this to be discouraging. But your life is so small in the grand scheme of things. Your own family will forget your name one day. And everybody's like, what? What's the name of your great-great-grandmother? Most of you don't even know. Few of you do. Your life is a blip. And you're here for one purpose. No matter your vocation, no matter your job, you're here to declare with your words and with your actions and with your deeds and with your time, you're here to declare the praise of God. That's why you live. That's why you're on planet Earth. That's why I'm on planet Earth. Whether we've stepped into that calling or not. He says, you're here to declare that word literally means to make something known boldly and publicly and proudly. Not just with your mouth, but with your life. He says, you've been put here as chosen, holy, royal, special possessions to declare, to make known what? The praises of God. And that sounds like such a churchy word. It's like, what does praises even mean? but it literally means the excellence of God's character. That why you and I have been put on earth is to make sure that everyone knows how excellent God is in a world that doesn't believe he's excellent anymore. 
Doesn't matter if you're a school teacher, a stay-at-home mom, unemployed, a student, in between jobs. The, the, the purpose of our lives as chosen, royal, holy, special people is to declare, is to make known the exceeding excellence of God. And when that becomes the purpose of your life, you realize you will never run out of anything to do. You'll never run out of things to do when the goal of your life is to show how significantly great God is. I go, can you imagine what would happen in our church if we went, man, this is why we exist. This is who we are. I mean, like we're, we're chosen, beloved, holy, royal, like special. That's who we are and what we exist for is to declare the glory of God. Can you imagine how amazing it would be if we weren't just a gathering of people that came to listen to a sermon from a priest or a preacher or a pastor or a leader, whatever you want to call me? But what if we said, no, we're a gathering of priests, we're a gathering of leaders, we're a gathering of pastors, and we come here to be filled with the Spirit of God, to be encouraged in the Word of God, to bless and serve one another, and then to go back out to the outpost where God has placed us in our neighborhoods and in our workspaces and our apartment complexes and so on and so forth. Can you imagine how amazing that would be? You know, this, this is what we're trying to teach our boys right now, my, my, my three sons, seven, five, and two and a half years old. We're trying to teach them, like, hey, listen, you don't have to be 25 in order for God to use you in significant ways. You're chosen, you're holy, you're royal, you're special. And God has you or he has you for the sake of his name. We're trying to drive this into them because we know that the gravitational pull of the human soul is to think, hey, someone better than me needs to be the first responder. We all have that in us, don't we? We all have that thing in us that goes, man, somebody else needs to do it. Someone else knows more. Someone else is more equipped. Someone else, someone else. Or hey, another time. Hey, one day when I get married, or when I finish grad school, or one day, one day, one day, those of us that are a bit older, when does the one day come? Never. It never comes. Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day for you to step into who God has already made you to be in the place that God has already placed you. And I believe as we begin to do that, oh my goodness, the glory of God is lifted up among us. What an amazing thing that is. We're trying to teach this to our boys. We're trying to help them see, hey guys, uh, you know, this is our neighborhood. And we're not just here to like find shelter. We're not here just to retreat because we've worked too hard all week. We're not here to just close the shades and to ignore. No, God has put us in this neighborhood as a chosen, royal, holy family of priests to create a counterculture in this neighborhood. My kids are like, really, the, the neighbors asked us that? No, the neighbors didn't show up and ask us to be priests. God did. God said, this is who you are. And so we're trying to teach them, hey, here's how you engage a neighborhood that doesn't want to be engaged. Here's how you serve your neighbors. Here's how you get to know their stories in a way that's not creepy. Here's how you, here's how you bless them. Here's how you pray for them. Here's how you walk. Like, here's what you do. Because we go, man, we believe that God has put us there. And I don't know how long we're going to live there. I don't know how long I'll be alive. I could get killed on the way home today. But for such a time as this, God has put us there as holy, chosen, loved, special. Why? So that the people around us can know that God is excellent. We're trying to show them that in our neighborhood. We're trying to show them that in their schools. You know, I have a son that's in first grade and a son that's in kindergarten. And over and over and over, we're like, hey, hey boys, like, you are the priest of your schools. And they're like, what are you talking about, dad? You're so weird. 
Like I've just got normal kids. They're like, what are you, what are you talking about? And so one of my kids uh, at his school, his principal's mom got diagnosed with cancer. I said, hey, buddy, next time you see your principal in the hall, I want you to stop him. I want you to ask about his mom. And I want you to lay hands on him and pray over his mom. And he said, dad, if I get out of line, I'll get in trouble. <laughs> it's in first grade, that's what he thinks. I'm like, I don't think you get in trouble if you pray over the principal. He's like, dad, I don't want to do that. That's embarrassing. I'm like, I know, I know it's embarrassing. But I'm trying to teach you what it means to be alive. I've got to train you what it means to be alive. Comes home from school, hey buddy, did, did you pray over your principal? No. <laughs> so I beat that kid, I'm joking. <laughs> You're gonna learn to love the Lord. <laughs> now the next morning I'm walking him into school, I said, hey, can I, can, I, can I show you? Can I show you what this looks like? He says, no dad, that's embarrassing, quit. So he trails like 10 feet behind me and I have this conversation with his principal and we get to talk about the Lord and what's going on with his mom and get to tell him we've been praying for him and, and I, I said, buddy, that's, that's what we do. Was it that bad? He said, yeah, that was humiliating. <laughs> I said, buddy, you've been put in your classroom like your teacher, like your teacher. You don't have to get your teacher to come here to hear me tell her about how great God is. You're gonna be in a room with her for the next 180 days. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's a long time. It goes on forever. <laughs> but you get to tell her. You get to show her. You get to, you get to help her understand how great God is. So you've been put on earth and in your friend group. And when we're in public and over and over and over, we want them to understand that the goal of our life is not to just exist in this little ghetto cul-de-sac of Christian subculture and hope that the, the, the world doesn't encroach on us. It's no, we wanna infiltrate for the glory of God, for the praise of his name. That's why we exist. That's why we exist. That's why you exist. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. You go, man, can you imagine that? I got on Amazon this week, and uh, as we all do, um, Speaking of segues, um, got, got, got on Amazon this week and I was looking for those little um, white priest collars. You know, you know what I'm talking about, like the, the Catholic priests wear? And I thought, how awesome would it be if I could buy a priest collar for every person in our church? And seriously, I really thought this, at the end of the 11, you come up and we put those priest collars on, but we couldn't afford them, so you're safe, okay? Some of you are like looking for boxes. You're like, where are they? You know, the priest collars are. But I thought, how amazing would it be if tomorrow you woke up and the first thing you did was you put on that priest collar. And no matter what you do for a vocation, no matter where it is that you go, you go, man, I'm a representative. I, I'm, I'm, I'm chosen, I'm holy, I'm special, I'm royal. And I'm here to declare the excellence of God. I went to Baja Brito with one of my friends who's a priest and you know, he has the whole garb. He wears the, he wears the whatever it's called, the priest thing. And, um, <laughs> I should know that probably. I went to seminary, but I don't, I can't remember the name of it. And, uh, and he looked at me, he said, Dave, he said, it's lucky. He said, you're lucky. You're like an undercover priest. And he's like, nobody knows, like your dress code. Nobody knows you're a priest. And I, I thought in the moment, I thought, man, it'd be so amazing though if, if I had that, because every day I'd just be reminded why it is that I exist. Every word, every thought, every action. And so this would be cheesy. Take your hands out, put your hands out in front of me. Come on, don't be cool. I know we're cool. I know we're cool. We're at the cannery. We're so cool, so cool. Okay, I want you to pretend that the Lord has just put a priest collar in your hands, okay? Let's, go ahead, come on, pretend with me, put it on, put it on, put it on. 
Some of you that are type A are going, does it tie? Does it button? How's it stay on? Someone at the nine, I saw her literally, she's like, <laughs> it's just a metaphor, you know. Hey, you are the people of God. You are the people of God. Chosen, royal, holy, beloved. And you're being sent by God as the first responders to tell them how excellent God is in every task, in every moment, in everything. That's who we are as a family. We're a family of royal, chosen, holy priests, only by the grace of God, that get to show the world around us how great Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but I need help to do that. And so if you need help to do that, would you stand with me? I wanna pray over you. Uh, this will be your ordination ceremony. Um, I'm gonna ordain you all in the kingdom of God, and then we'll take communion together. Father, I love you so much. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. Thank you for the grace of being your kids. Thank you for the gift of being your kids. God, I recognize that there's some people in this room right now that are not followers of Jesus. Here's what's so cool is this family's open to them. Lord, would you just bring them into a saving relationship with you right now? And then would you send them out with us? Would you send us out, Lord, as first responders? It's people who recognize who we are and what it is that you've made us to do in word and in action and in deed. God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us? And would you help us to see the way that you see, and to love the way that you love, and to act the way that you would act for the sake of those who don't yet know you? Church, I want to just invite you to repeat these words after me as a part of our, our prayer together, as our ordin ordination together. Just repeat these words. We are the people of God. And we are loved by God. He has made us holy. He has made us special. And he has chosen us to show the world and to tell the world that they are loved and that they are special and that there's room in the Father's house for them as well. In the name of Jesus, amen.